Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I've been collecting Doctor Who since 1981. In 1985, I started a Doctor Who store in Chicago called Bundles from Britain. And we are mentioned in the book Red, White, and Who, the Story of Doctor Who in America. On page 384, this book was written by some great friends of mine, including Stephen Warren Hill, the late Jennifer Adams Kelly, Nick Seidler, and Robert Warnock. Please get this book. It is invaluable to uh, discover the history of how Doctor Who has made America a better place. My former partner, uh, Gene Smith, uh, went on to establish Alien Entertainment and became the showrunner of the Chicago TARDIS Convention, now in its 20th year. Make sure you visit us at the Westin in Lombard uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, please come out and say hello. Another podcast I'd like to mention, uh, just a shout out, is the Target Book Club podcast hosted by Tony Witt, also on iTunes. I will be a guest coming up when they talk about the book Day of the Daleks. Uh, also, uh, the question about our theme song came up. So our theme song is Who's Doctor Who, written by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines, who played Jamie McCrimmon in 113 Doctor Who episodes, the longest-running character and also a friend of the podcast. I also uh, received word that some of the audio quality of the previous episodes were quite low. I have done my best to fix them, so hopefully this one is coming out a lot better. So today, um, I want to make a mention that uh, I was going to do a show on the unofficial Doctor Who Annual 1972. Uh, we have postponed that show because Miss Katie Manning, who played Joe Grant with the third Doctor, um, has agreed to do an interview for the podcast, but cannot do it at this moment. So uh, she's going to get with me soon, and we will put that podcast together. I do want to talk about that amazing book. Um, so today, instead, I want to talk about... Um, a series of books that have become the either the um, I'm going to put this correctly the ire of collectors or the gem of collectors depending on who you ask, and these were the Doctor Who books on Pinnacle, which were done in the United States. And the question is, are they collectible or are they a waste of money? Well, let's find out. Well, first of all, a little background information: uh, Pinnacle Books is an imprint. In other words, a division of the American book publishing company Kensington Books. And so from April 1979 to June of 1980, uh, they published Americanized editions, and I use that term, it's a new term, but Americanized, and I'll explain that in a moment, of 10 Target book uh, novelizations. The reprints of those books continued until April of 1989. Uh, Kensington Books was founded in 1974 and is still around today, and they still use the Pinnacle imprint. For the books, new front cover illustrations uh, were done by David Mann, and um, new cover blurbs were written. Uh, sadly, uh, David Mann passed away on September 11th of 2004. The United Kingdom English text, or the British text, was Americanized, and you can't see the air quotes, uh, basically to use U.S. spellings and meanings. So in other words, um, the word color, C-O-L-O-U-R, became C-O-L-O-R. And terms like car bonnets and boots became hoods and trunks. 
Um, also, a lot of editing went to place to uh, references to certain UK specific things that might have been unfamiliar to the American audience at the time were changed like for, you know, and I think this is one that gets me in the heart too, is they changed the jelly baby to jelly bean. Um, and I apologize to all the fourth doctor fans out there that made me kind of groan as well. Um, the books were prefaced by brief bios of the stories, doctors and companions. So like a little catch up, so to speak. Uh, if you remember uh, when I did the podcast on Doctor Who and the Daleks, uh, the Daleks actually came out long before an unearthly, an unearthly child. So they had to give a little bit of a background as to what's happening. So um, also uh, the introductions were done by noted science fiction author Harlan Ellison. And uh, in his introduction, Ellison proclaimed his own fandom of Doctor Who and explained some of the concepts behind the show. Um, some confusing things out there about this series. Uh, Pinnacle book covers had the same Doctor Who logo that was used by a very limited run 1978 Aeonian Press reprint of Day of the Daleks and Robot. And those were hardcovers. And I'll talk about that in another in a moment. Uh, the logo was also used uh, in various colors on each novelization. What I've discovered is that uh, the first printing of Revenge of the Cybermen had a red cover and the second printing had a yellow cover and some had a blue cover. So I think that's how you could tell easily um, how you could spot a first edition from a reprint or a, a multi or a fifth edition or whatever. Um, the um, Basically, the Pinnacle logo... Um, it, you know, was basically used also with Aeonian books, but that was, I believe, uh, before these books came out. So I'm not sure where that came from. Anyhow, um, going back to the books, uh, they're an imprint of that company. So um, that's that's basically the background of the company. Uh, so, and there was a lot of different things. Um, that went into these. Now I remember these books when I was a kid. They were actually in the grocery store. Um, and, um, you know, you could buy them. The cover price was $1.95. So I, I remember buying some of these and I thought, wow, these are really cool. These are other Doctor Who books. But other people are like, oh, those aren't real Doctor Who books. Well, I, I, te I tend to disagree because if you also remember from my Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, podcast, if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back. I believe it's episode two. Um, they did release the Daleks on an American imprint of Avon books in 1967. So this is a whole 10 years before Pinnacle came with, with these. The, the popularity of the series in the United States, and like I said, I pointed back to the book Red, White, and Who, A History of Doctor Who in America. That will tell you exactly what was going on in the United States at the time. And that will help you understand why these Pinnacle books are very important. So anyway, the books that they released... Um, first of all, we have Doctor Who and the Day of the Daleks, and I'm going to uh, just tell the titles. I'll skip the Doctor Who and, but that's what they all say. Um, Day of the Daleks was the first book, followed by The Doomsday Weapon or um, Colony in Space, The Dinosaur Invasion, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, Genesis of the Daleks, The Revenge of the Cybermen, The Loch Ness Monster or um, uh, Terror of the Zygons, The Talons of Wang Chiang, The Mask of Mandragora, The Android Invasion, and The Seeds of Doom. So only 10 books were released, um, and many, many reprints were, were had. Um, also, in as far as value, now, again, depends on how you place a value on a Doctor Who item, but I found that a first edition set of 10 books can go for $60 on up. 
Uh, individual books anywhere from $2 to $15, depending on the printing and the condition, which is important. Um, by the way, book values are higher outside the United States, uh, where they were not available, except through import. And the biggest question that I got from folks, and I've actually tried to nail this down, and I've got an official answer, but did they publish any hardcover editions? The answer is no. Officially, I got an email from Kensington Books, uh, my inquiry as to whether or not they did it. According to them, they were only done in paperback. Now, there are dealers out there that are trying to sell, basically, they're trying to sell you the Aeonian print hardcovers telling you they're pinnacle and charging hundreds of dollars. So make sure that you ask them for a picture of the first page where it actually says the copyright date. And, uh, you know, if you can can find me a, a hardcover pinnacle, an actual one. I, I, like I said, I, I have word from Kensington Press that they did not happen. But I did buy a hardcover pinnacle. It was actually uh, the Seeds of Doom. And I'll take pictures of it for the website and for Facebook. But this is actually the paperback book. It was from a library. And they cloth bound the inside of the book and they pasted the cover and the back cover onto the book. So it is actually a hardcover book from um, Western Heights Public Schools, chap Chapter 2 Funds in 1984. Um, this particular printing of this book, let me just take a quick peek. This is a first edition, so this is from 1980. Um, and uh, I, I thought it was just unique. And I thought, you know, I, I think I paid $10 for it, which I thought was reasonable. But I'm going to walk through the books here. I got, I've got here a first edition of Revenge of the Cybermen. Uh, the cover photo shows a Cyberman and a, Vo and a, and a person from Voga, uh, Vogan, I guess, and the planet of gold behind there with the spaceship heading towards it. Uh, of course, we know the story of Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, this book starts um, with a little teaser on the front here. The Doctor goes too far, and it's a little, little excerpt from the book about the cyber bombs. And then on the inside is a little um, introduction to the creation of the Cybermen, because in, you know, in this time when this book was published um, in 1979, um, people may have seen Revenge of the Cybermen on TV, but they certainly wouldn't have seen it before then because John Pertwee's doctor didn't meet the Cybermen. But so there's a little interest here of the uh, of the history of the Cybermen. And, of course, the title page here uh, with an introduction by Harlan, uh, Harlan Ellison, Pinnacle Books, New York. So this was uh, published in here. Interesting in here in the next page, uh, attention schools and corporations, pinnacle books are available at quantity discounts for bulk purchases of educational books. So there you go. So that book that I talked about here, the hardcover that was put in a school library, they definitely uh, took advantage of that offer. Um, the other thing too is the, they give credit to the original novelization, copyright 1976 by uh, Terrence Dix and Jerry Davis. Um, and then, of course, the Pinnacle Edition by Special Arrangement with W.H. Allen and Company, first published in Britain by Tandem Universal, uh, which is owned, which is the parent company of W.H. Allen. And uh, the cover illustration by David Mann, printed in the United States of America. Very important. This book was made in America. Um, and then the introduction by Harlan Ellison, and then the uh, basically start jumps right in with the, the return to Space Station Nerva. Uh, at the end of the book here, there are several ads that were interesting. Um, the uh, When a robot blows your circuits, is it sex or sabotage? Enter the erotic universe where the outrageous and extraordinary are perfectly normal, the lawless worlds. <laughs> um, two books, The Love Machine and Scales of Justice from Pinnacle Books. Um, 
Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. And of course, it looks like they also had all the novelizations for The Knight Rider, which was popular back then by Glenn A. Larson and Roger Hill, also available at Pinnacle Books. And The Outrider, a long road warrior struggles amongst the aftermath of a nuclear holocaust. Buy them at your local bookstore or use this handy coupon, which is on each page. Uh, basically, I am enclosing uh, a dollar to cover postage. Remember when postage was a dollar? And then V, if you remember V, that's the, uh, you know, the aliens that came and they turned out to be lizard people. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I forgot to do that. If you haven't seen it, it was on, you know, a long time ago, folks. Anyway, um, that's that was the pinnacle book, Revenge of the Cybermen. I've also got the Loch Ness Monster, um, although this one uh, doesn't have as many ads in the back. It, it, it has the... Uh, it has, oh God, there's a, bl a couple, a lot of blank pages. They put the ads on each page. Um, but it also has uh, a little bit of teaser at the front. And then it talks about uh, the fourth Doctor Who, Sarah Jane Smith, and a little bit of history of the Brigadier. You know, Brigadier Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart is the commanding officer of the British branch of UNIT. So um, really, really important. And the, there's some good stuff here to help the American reader. And the, by the way, they did, I know that they had to re-edit because I'll point out one interesting fact about um, the first book, Day of the Daleks. The target book of Day of the Daleks had a very bad typo in the first edition, the second edition, and I think the third edition, and they may have fixed it in the fourth edition. But they misspelled doctor on the last page. If you don't believe me, get your copy or get, grab a copy of an early edition and look at the last page and the word says, oh, come on, .core. And it's just right there blatant and they fixed it i think in the fifth or fourth or fifth printing anyway they fixed it in the uh pinnacle edition so the pinnacle edition that came out in 1979 had the corrected uh text because somebody had to re-edit the entire book uh but they didn't edit it on the whl inside which was very interesting so that's Doctor and Pinnacle. In my opinion, they're collectible. Absolutely. I have a set of 10 first editions. I have a couple of second editions here as well. And I think they're they a wonderful addition to the Doctor Who library and a very nice way to, to kind of compare. If you read one of these and re read the target, you can spot the differences. You know, when the doctor says, uh, would you like a jelly bean? And I just cringe saying that. So... And they also favored the fourth Doctor, although they did do a couple of third Doctor stories, Day of the Daleks, Doomsday Weapon, and Dinosaur Invasion were um, John Pertwee stories, and uh, the rest of them were all fourth Doctor stories. So um, I hope that was informative. Of course, you know, um, feel free to, to, you know, Google this information as well. You can certainly, you know, if I say anything that's inaccurate, or at least I've tried to be accurate with my research, um, you know, feel free to correct me in a, in a polite way. Uh, so far we've, we've picked up a quite of a, an audience for this podcast and I appreciate all the kind words people have, have sent our way, uh, via our Facebook page at Dr. Who Collectors Podcast. Uh, be sure to give us a like and, uh, you can stay up to date on what's going on. Uh, also, uh, we have a webpage, DrWhoCollectors.com, and you can reach us on Gmail at DrWhoCollectorsPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Larry Van Mersbergen. We're going to close out. I've been traditionally closing out with some rare audio um, from the Doctor Who world, and as I go forward, I'm going to find those to be fewer and fewer. But while I'm on the fourth Doctor, let me talk about another um, surprise here. Um, in 19, it uh, looks like 1976... The Decca Record Company Limited of London, the Argo Division, uh, released the first Doctor Who audio 
um, that was not part of the series called Doctor Who and the Pescatons, narrated by Tom Baker, featuring Tom Baker, Elizabeth Sladen, and Mr. Bill Mitchell, who played the Mighty Zor, written by Doctor Who author Victor Pemberton. So it was an LP uh, on the Argo label. There's also a very rare edition on an Australian uh, record club label that uh, I've been unable to locate, but um, uh, you can certainly find it. This has also been released on cassette. And just recently, uh, I bought a brand new edition, um, which is on the BBC label. It has Doctor and the Pescatons and the sound effects all in one uh, collection. So you certainly can enjoy that. The Argo label, of course, this is the original, uh, also available on cassette. Uh, and they did do a reprint on this as well. So there was there was that. And you might be familiar with Genesis the Daleks that they condensed down to one album. So I'm going to close with a little clip of part one of side one of Doctor Who and the Pescatons. Uh, credit, of course, due uh, to Argo Records. The Doctor Who theme was composed by Ron Grainer and performed by the BBC Radiophonic Workshop of Erie Music Limited. And the incidental music was composed and played by Kenny Clayton. Um, so it's a really interesting thing. You can find, by the way, Doctor Who and the Pescatons in good condition, um, up to mint condition. You can pay onwards up of $25 to $30 on up. Um, if it's a lesser condition, you know, the, as far as the, the cover, uh, mine happens to still be in the shrink wrap. So it's fairly new. Uh, it hasn't been played. It's still sealed. So um, I don't remember what I paid for it. I've had it for a long time. Um, that was a nice thing about having a Doctor Who store. A lot of things came my way that I said, I think I'm taking that one. But you can also get a brand new one. I believe Amazon, I think it's it's like 30 or $35. You can get the sound effects and the Pescatons in a nice gatefold um, album on uh, orange vinyl. It was a record store day exclusive in 2017, but I've seen many copies out there. Uh, anyway, let me tell you about some exciting things coming down the road here. I'm not saying what's happening in order, but um, coming soon, we're going to do a show. I'm paying a visit to my, uh, to my younger brother who has the Doctor Who pinball machine that was put out by Bally. And uh, we'll talk about the pinball machine. We'll also talk about the PC game uh, Destiny of the Doctor, which was Anthony Ainley's final performance as the master. I think you can find clips of those on YouTube, and I will try to share those um, during the podcast as well as going through the game itself. Um, there were many other games, including role-playing games. We're going to talk about all the different games, including a Wii game that was released in England that uh, cannot be played on American machines. How about that? Anyway, I'd like to close with the part one of Doctor Who and the Pescatons. Thank you for listening. This is the Doctor Who Collector's Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like us. Thank you. made an uncomfortable landing. It was as though we had been plucked from the sky by some vast magnetic force.
pulling us down into its web. Of course, I had no idea where or in which period of time we had arrived. But we had materialized onto an isolated stretch of beach, miles from any visible signs of habitation. Doctor? Doctor, where are we? I don't know, Sarah. But wherever it is, I have an uncomfortable feeling we're not very welcome. Oh, what do you mean? It's all too quiet. Only the sea and the wind. This beach must stretch for miles, and yet I've got the feeling we're not the only ones here. As though we're being watched. Doctor, if you're trying to give me the creeps, may I say you're doing a very good job? What month is it, Sarah? February, I think. We could be somewhere in England. <laughs> well, how can you tell? Well, position of the stars, wind direction, temperature. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned temperature. It's like the Arctic out here. Even my goose pimples have goose pimples. Hey, oh, wait a minute. Hey, Doctor, come over here. Have a look at this. What is it? A notice board. What does it say? Well, I don't know till you shine your torch. Ah, Ministry of Defence. It is dangerous to swim from this beach at any time. Keep out. Swim? The tide's so shallow here, I doubt there's enough water to paddle in. Well, then why is it so dangerous? Hmm? Oh, well, I suppose we must be grateful we're back in good old civilization again. There were some lights over there in the distance. Looks as though they're miles away on the other side of the bay. We'd never make it on foot. Well, especially with all this mud around. Sarah, what is it? What are you looking at? Oh, on the beach here, look. Some kind of seaweed. I've never seen seaweed like that before. It's more like a baby octopus. Yes, look at that eye. Yeah, horrible. Yes, and the tentacles. Like tinfoil, it's made out of some kind of metal substance. You know, you're right. It is quiet. There's not even a wind now. Oh, Doctor, why don't we just go back to the TARDIS? Listen. What? Can't you hear it? That sound. I can't hear anything. Oh, Doctor, you're doing it again. You're trying to scare me. Stop it. No, Sarah, listen. Don't make a sound. Don't even breathe. Just listen. Something was moving in the sand dunes nearby, slithering its way towards us along the beach. What kind of beast it was, we couldn't tell. But all the time, it was getting closer, closer, breathing, searching, hunting. Then suddenly, as the moon began to emerge from behind dark clouds to give us our first glimpse of the beast that was stalking us... wait to find out what it was that had leaped out at us from the shadows, for we just ran and ran faster than I would have thought possible. 